I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am your host, Blake Harrison, and my co-host is not here. That's right, guys. We're flying solo today. The shackles are off. The dog is off the leash. Blake Harrison is on his own. Stu Whiffin is actually doing a really, really lovely thing. He is taking a van over to Poland. He's literally, I think he's in Belgium at the moment. He's taking a van over to Poland filled with uh, uh, sanitary products, nappies, all that kind of stuff to give to Ukrainian refugees. So well done, Stu Whiffin, for doing an amazing and lovely thing. But what it does mean is, is that I'm flying solo today. So we will be chatting, I say we, I mean me, uh, and the voices in my head, will be chatting to Jordan Vucenic. Jordan is uh, about to take on Paul Hughes this Friday at Cage Warriors for the featherweight strap. They're unifying the belts. Paul Hughes is the interim featherweight Cage Warriors champion. Jordan Vucenic is the undisputed featherweight champion of Cage Warriors, and they will be unifying the belts this Friday at the O2 Indigo. It should be an absolute cracker. There are lots of people that are really, really intrigued about this fight. Jordan does have a win over Paul in a really, really close split decision win. And everyone is very excited about this fight because it's not just about the Cage Warriors strap because I think it's highly likely that whoever wins this fight is looking at a UFC contract. And I think both of these guys are worthy of a UFC contract. And I think both of these guys could actually do quite well in the UFC. I think, you know, they're both young. The ceiling is quite high for both of them. So this really is a cracker of a fight. And and it'll be really interesting to see which way this goes. Obviously, today's guest is the undisputed champion, Jordan Vucenic. We have a fantastic chat with him. So rather than me waffling on about it, let's get straight to it. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Jordan, the epidemic Vucenic. Jordan Vucenic, hello, how are you doing, mate? I'm all good, mate, how are you? Very good, thank you, very good. Um, so, obviously, we're chatting to you because there's a huge fight coming up in less than a week. So, um, we'll get on to all of that. But what we like to do on this show, especially first time we have a guest on, is we want to get to know you. We want to know all about Jordan Vucenic. So, to start with, let's go way back, and I'll just ask you, where did you grow up? Uh, Corby. So it's a little town uh, in Northamptonshire. Uh, it's famous for, like, its steelworks and people coming down from Scotland to work. Oh, right, right. So that's was, was that an area where you felt like 
you had to be good at dealing with confrontation. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite well known for um, like bad things. I don't want to say that and put the place down, but it was quite well known to, to be sort of not a very nice place to grow up. So there's like a funny saying: you're either good at uh, running or fighting in Gorby. Right. Well, well, I mean, I had a, a similar experience. I, I grew up in Peckham in South East London and yeah. it's a very different place now. It's been very gentrified, but Peckham in like the nineties and the early noughties and stuff, not the nicest place to to grow up in as much as, you know, yeah. you love those places because they made you who you are. But yeah. at the end of the day, you, you can look at it objectively and go, this wasn't the nicest place to grow up in. Yeah. My yeah, kids yeah. are growing up in a much nicer area now than what, what I was. And you say that there's, you're either good at running or fighting. I was good at hiding. I just yeah. in the in the bedroom playing computer games and not going out yeah. much. Well, I couldn't afford a pair of running shoes, so I had to get yeah. a fight. <laughs> you took the other option, fair play. Um, no, but I heard I've heard you say in another interview that, that you you always quite enjoyed fighting. Like you were someone that was yeah. quite physical. You liked to play fight and stuff like that. Where, where do you think that came from? Was there anything like did your your parents uh, involved in martial arts or anything like that? Where where did that urge to kind of fight or compete come from? No, nothing like that. I mean, I've I've uh, not had a father in my whole life, so I don't know if that was maybe what it is, you know, you sort of got to be the man of the house before you're even a man. So I've always just been fighting ever since I was um, younger and just obsessed with, with play fighting. If it turned the real fighting, that wouldn't bother me uh, just the same. So that's just how I've always been. Yeah, and you you say you... you, you... Didn't know your dad. Do you mind me asking what what happened there? Is it something? Did you did you just never meet, or did something happen? Uh, no, nah, he passed away when I was three. So uh, yeah, so I never got to. I told I met him, but I can can never recall meeting him or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah. Well, firstly, I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. Obviously, that's that's yeah, a, that. a horrible thing. But it's yeah. as you say, these these tragedies make you who you who you are. Exactly and that. Yeah. I, I was maybe going to get onto this later, but this seems like. Uh, an obvious point to say it, but you're you you're expecting your first child or biological yeah. child, I should say, um, in in lot quite soon, right? I think it's like three weeks after the fight. Yeah, sure. Bloody yeah. hell! So so it's not like you've got enough on your plate defending your belt and all that kind exactly, of stuff. You've yeah. got a kid on the way as well. Yeah. But I, I I say your first biological child, and maybe these things tie in your upbringing. This, but you you you've got a stepson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been um helping my um fiance raise her, her baby from since about five months old six months old so as as he can remember i've been in his life forever do you know what i mean so uh yeah, yeah I've, I've already kind of got the experience i've just missed out the uh sleepless nights right at the beginning right well don't worry they'll be they'll be coming soon i'm sure but yeah. um, how 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 was that do you mind, like that's quite a bit how old are you do you mind me asking I just turned 26 last week, so you just turned 26. So yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you. You. How old were you when you started your relationship with your partner? Now, um, 20, either 23 or 24. I was when um I, I, I met her. So uh, so yeah, he yeah he's about three now. So yeah, uh, about the, 23, the, I think. But the reason I ask is that for a young man. That's yeah. that's quite a lot to take on. That's a hell of a lot of responsibility. Can I yeah. ask, kind of? Was that in any way daunting? Do you or and do you feel like you you stepping up to the plate for someone like that could have been in any way related to the fact that you unfortunately did lose your dad at an early age? Yeah, I think like I said, I had to grow up um sort of quicker than everybody else did. So 
it wasn't a big thing for me, you know, getting with my girlfriend when she did have um, a young son. I just sort of took it step by step and took it day by day. And obviously, I was with her for a little while before she even let me meet her, her little one. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I, I don't know. I've just I've never been someone to go out party or drink or take drugs or anything. Like that. I've never really done any of that. So um, looking after the little one with her was just second nature to me. You know, it wasn't as if I had to give up going out um, on the weekends to stay with her and the little one. It's just, um, I just told her when I got with her, like I train three times a day and, and that's that. Like if you don't like it, lump it really. And she's always been dead good with it. She's always been like, no, look, I'll never stop you training. You train as much as you want. But um, I suppose she preferred me being in the gym training than out in the nightclubs at the weekend. You know what I mean? Well, that's it, yeah, and that's a brilliant thing. But I, I think that's a, a wonderful thing. You're at such a young age to yeah. to step up and be there for 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 a baby like that. I, I think that's an incredible yeah. thing. So so well done, mate. And um, I, I suppose let, let's get back onto all the the, the fight based stuff. Your 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 nickname is is the epidemic. Yeah. Have you thought about changing that over the last couple of years? <laughs> well, well, listen, maybe when I go to the UFC, I'll change it to the pandemic because then I'll be worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Well, I, I did look for a, a, a fighter called The Vaccine just to see if there's any kind of beef yeah. that we can set up. Uh, that seem yeah. like that. But there isn't one. I can't, I'd look I'm, sure I'm sure someone will pop up one day. Yeah. But like, what, where did the name come from? So when I was um, in my sort of early amateur career, I was always, uh, I wasn't a big ticket seller or anything. So they would bring me in to fight sort of the big ticket sellers on these shows. And obviously they'd want me to come in and, and lose. Um, but I kept coming in and kept beating all the top guys. And, uh, yeah, one of the commentators just said it to me one day, he just said, you're an epidemic. You are, Do you know what I mean? You come in these shows and kill everyone off. Cause obviously all these top undefeated guys, I was coming in, beating them and, uh, people thinking, who the fuck is this guy? And then it just kept ever since that. That always sounds good when someone's given you your nickname because of the work you've done in the cage. That always seems like it fits better, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly that. At least it wasn't, um, something crazy that I'd be thinking, oh, what a shit name. I mean, the epidemic was quite cool back then. And then when COVID came, I had a lot of people say, oh, have you just called yourself the epidemic because of the pandemic? And I was thinking, oh, fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're going to get quite a few bad jokes and comments about that for the next two years, I'm afraid. So yeah. if you're going to stick with it, you've got to lump those, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're, we're, and obviously one of the best things about it is epidemic, Vuchenic, sort of rhymes. I exactly mean, where does right. the name Vuchenic come from? I've not heard that name before. Uh, Yugoslavian. So my dad was Yugoslavian. So I think I think it's sort of based in Serbia. That's where the name the, the Vuchenic at the end. So I do have a lot of Serbian people messaging me in Serbian, asking me the question, but I ain't got a Scooby-Doo what they're writing. So I just ignore <laughs> the messages. Just send some thumbs up emojis, mate. Yeah. You'll be fine. Exactly. They'll still be fans. Yeah. And um, I suppose one of the one of the worst aspects of of MMA in general seems to be the weight cuts. Do, do you have a method for dealing with those? Not just physically. I'd love to know physically what you do for weight cutting, but also mentally because that a lot of people say it's the fight before the fight so how do you mentally stay positive and get through the weight cuts um i think the the, the thing that helps me out the most is i have to be strict but not as strict as most guys and that's because they 
balloon up and they get out of shape, whereas I don't. I am literally, I mean, I think it's been over two years where I haven't got plus a certain weight. Um, so I'm coming in not fat and out of shape. I'm already coming in lean and coming in always training. So I can really do mine over a long period of time to cut the weight, whereas a lot of guys will balloon up, get really fat, think oh shit i've got eight weeks now to get in shape and then they'll have to crash dive for eight weeks and that's what uh evidently um is the thing that fucks them up when it comes to weight cutting so the last weeks obviously it starts to get hard because like i said to you i've just had rocket tomatoes and, and scrambled egg as a, as a meal whereas that's not the, the the most appetizing but i'm always in shape you ask any of the coaches at my gym i mean they're the ones if they're gonna pull up some like a class or they're talking to beginners they'll say look if you want diet advice ask jordan if you want someone to look up to and follow how they do mma you've got to look up to how jordan does it he's not getting out of shape he's not doing all these things not ballooning and um and always in the gym always learning so yeah it's hard the last little bit but i always just think look it's a hard six week push to give it your all and then it's done. Then you've got the win. Then you can chill out for a little bit and then you just maintain it again and get ready for the next one. Um, and that's not a sacrifice to me because um, I'd do anything to get in there. Well, I mean, you're talking about those wins. There was probably none bigger for you so far than I think it was Cage Warriors 122 against Morgan Charrier where you, where you yeah. won that world title. And yeah. it was quite emotional afterwards. I have to say, even watching it, I felt quite emotional when when you see someone that's clearly worked so hard to achieve something. And it's it feels so much more visceral and so real when you look at MMA because you can... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Really see just that struggle, that literally that fight. And uh, the emotion came pouring out of you afterwards. How did it feel? Can you describe to us in words to hear and knew Cage Warriors world champion, Jordan Vucenic? How did that feel? It's just a crazy, a crazy feeling. I mean, that's something I've been striving to for the past eight years was to get that, that be shouted out. My name shouted that out. And a lot of years of sacrifice and, and never cheating. I've never, ever cheated. I've never, I've never missed weight I've never never done anything never took steroids nothing so I've always just been like 100% true and 100% like stuck to the grind and just kept on, kept on pushing and I've had my injuries and I've had times where I've had to be out from the injuries and when it all that happened and I finally got it it was just like I'd done it like that was it but that was just one one dream on a, a road of many dreams to come. So, I mean, you're not the champ till you defend the belt. And now that's my next goal was to defend the belt, show I am the, the true champion and then uh, hopefully move on up to the UFC. And then that's another goal fulfilled. And then 
I've never shied away from it. Then the goal is to try and become UFC world champion. I've never pussyfooted around it and said, I just want to get to the UFC. Now I want to become a UFC world champion. Well, uh, that's it. You've got to reach for the stars, haven't you, at the end of the day? Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you know, what, yeah. what, what's the point? And uh, in terms of defending your belt, you were supposed to rematch Morgan Charrier, uh, yeah. but had to pull out due to injury. Can you tell us what, what the injury was and, and how are you feeling now? Is everything fine now? Yeah, so about three weeks before uh, the Sharia fight, I, I really badly hurt my thumb. And I just thought, oh, look, I'm going to go to the doctors and get it checked because of how bad it swelled up. And I detached my thumb. I had a Bennett's, uh, Bennett's fracture in my thumb. So it's the base of the thumb had detached where I broke it and detached it. So, well, And you were I just going to like carry on? Like, the, the, How does the, the base of the thumb detaches? I have to pause it there because I'm like, that sounds fucking mental. Um, so did, yeah, you, so did I, you not notice immediately, hang on a minute, my thumb's sort of flopping around a bit? Yeah, I, I, knew, I knew something didn't, didn't feel right, but I just thought, I don't know, because it was sore, sore for a split second and then it wasn't sore. So I thought to myself, oh, that can't be too bad because it's not sore anymore. It's just swollen. Maybe I've just stretched a ligament or something and that's what's blew it up. And I had my girlfriend with me, you know, and I was laughing to her. She was going, oh, it's just so close to your fight. I was like, I'll be all right. Don't worry. And I uh, said, it's definitely not broke. And then come back in from the x-ray, the doctor says, yep, you've, you've uh, detached your thumb. That's why you can't feel it because you've detached it. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So I had to phone up, you know, say it. And I had to send all the um, doctor's records and stuff like that to Cage Warriors because it was so close to the fight. I mean, a, a lot of fighters' bottles go. So they probably thought, oh, hang on, so I had to sort of send them all the notes, all the x-rays. And it was just annoying because, again, I felt like I was getting to a new level before that fight. I really felt that I was going to go out and make a big statement against Sharia the second time. So... So, yeah, so then that was about, it's been a year since I fought again, and that was uh, nursing the thumb. But this is the thing that that people don't do is I still did not get out of shape once. I was still in the gym every day. I was still doing everything I could do other than use the thumb. And a lot of people would have used that as an excuse to be like, right, I'm going to eat what I want. I'm going to get out of shape. I'm going to do this, do that. Whereas I didn't. I was in the gym watching every day, um, shadow boxing, putting no impact on my body and just, just having a reset and having almost like a pencil, you know, the more and more you use a pencil, the blunter and blunter it gets. Sometimes you need to stop, uh, sharpen the pencil and then you can go again. I think that's how I feel. That's what the broken thumb did for me. Well, I mean, you've obviously been able to take care of yourself physically, but what's the mental side of that like? Because, you know, we, we, we actually spoke to Paddy Pimlet a long time ago and he's obviously had hand injuries and stuff like that. And we were speaking to him about, you know, this is a job that you love to do. You, as you said, you're three weeks out from from a from your first title defense. The the yeah. come down from from training to then having that opportunity taken away from you must have been quite drastic. So, what's the what's it like mentally, kind of not being able to do that thing that you love to do for, as you say, that basically uh, an entire year? How has that been? How frustrating has that been? Yeah, it's hard because you put so much into it and, and you're so close. And again, you've been dieting all that time and everything. But I'm just so me- mentally strong that that if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. And and I've always been, I've not always been like that. I mean, in the first, in the first, I went 14 and 0 with my first fights, and then I I lost. And then when I lost, I remember I had sort of like a recognition where I thought it's not the end when you lose it's not the end if, if you lose you use that to grow it's like the, the cliche thing it's not a loss it's a lesson learned or whatever and 
when I had that first loss and I realized, you know what, it's not the end of the world if I lose a fight, that just made me 10 times better. And um, I'm, I still have that to this day. Look, I'll do anything to win. I'll, I'll put my life on the line to win. But if I lose, look, I lose. And that, that will have put the holes in my game that I need to be the best I can be. That will show where I'm going wrong. And I'll just use that to rebuild and come back better than ever again. So when the fight got pulled out against Ashari, I tried not to dwell on it too long. I thought, look, there's nothing in, in my hands. I've been in fights before where I've thought I broke my hands before, but it's never been diagnosed. But I think a thumb is different. Uh, before I fought the Steve Amel fight, I had a really bad hand where I couldn't even punch pads in the warm-up before the fight because if I hit pads, it would just kill my hands so bad. So I've right. gone into fights like that, but a thumb is just different. You know, you can't... In, in MMA, there's a lot of grabbing, twisting if he put a rear naked choke on, I wouldn't have been able to grab his hand and pull it out. So I wouldn't have had a thumb to use. So, um, yeah, I just, I just took that as like the loss. Like, oh, fuck's sake. Right. Look, blah, blah, blah. That weren't meant to be. I mean, and I thought I was going to rematch him again. Um, and obviously Paul Hughes come in and beat him. And then uh, well, now I've got to do it with Paul Hughes. And I think it's the better fight for the, for me and for the fans. Um, so I'm just excited to go for this one and I'm and I'm injury free and there's no more hard training. So there's no chance of any injury. So I'm blessed on that part. That's well, that's really good to hear. I mean, you you mentioned the Paul Hughes Morgan Charrier fight there. That happened in your absence, and Paul Hughes yeah. beat Morgan Charrier for an interim featherweight uh belt. Yeah. What did you think of that fight? How did you feel more uh Paul compared to Morgan uh, compared to how you compared to Morgan when you fought him? Uh, yeah, I think I, I thought it was a solid fight. I mean, um, in the earlier rounds, uh, Sharia looked a lot more dominant against Hughes than he could have did with me. He was sort of fragging him about um, in 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 the exchanges of strength and wrestling and grappling. Sharia was sort of winning every time, and and that was pretty surprising because I would think Hughes would be, would have been physical as well. Um, but you know. Again, when I was out with the broke from, I was training all that time through that. So when that fight happened, I was in shape then, ready to go. So I said, look, yeah, let's get it on. I mean, they fought in whatever. I said, look, let's go December. I'll fight um, I'll fight Paul Hughes in December. And it was Paul Hughes that wanted the rest. It was him that wanted to wait all the way till March. I was ready to go back in December. I was close to wait. I was training hard. He could have just come straight off of that Um camp with Sharien and got straight back into another one and got in with me but he didn't and um that sends a that sends a bit of a message yeah okay he needs the rest but I was there ready to go so if he wanted it as bad as he says he wants it I was there ready to go in December for him um but his choice I had to wait all the way till March and uh you know I think if he would have took that fight in December I would have beaten then and I'd have been in the UFC by now but we're a couple of months behind and I'm just going to fulfill that all again and just do it again. And of course you, you've already got a win over Paul Hughes. Um, yeah. And in that first fight, there was a lot, uh, it's quite fun to watch just before the bell rings for that first round, you, you're talking to each other a little bit. And uh, I think you're asking him in not the most polite fashion, if he was ready for what was coming. Yeah. Um, why, why did you do that? And do you think that, in the rematch, that that atmosphere will kind of be there again. Yeah, I'm not much of like a social media whore like a lot of the fighters are. Um, so you know, I was getting a lot of stick from him on on social media. I was getting a lot of stick from his fans, and I sort of stayed quiet through the whole thing. And 
and then he was talking at the weigh-ins and I'm really not phased with um, fighting so you even see at the weigh-ins I'm just like alright we'll see we'll see you know when he's saying you know you don't want it and I'm just saying alright we'll see so when we got in there, I just remember getting in and I just said to him, there's no more talking now. It's real now because I can't, you know, I can't say that in the way that there's no more talking now because it's not as if I can just start fighting with him there and then. Yeah. So I, I can't reply back on social media because he lives in Ireland and I live in the UK. So when we got in there, I just said to him, you know, it's, it's on now. And and he's made a TikTok account and, and one of his videos are him talking to me and me staying dead silent and I think if you actually watch the video back it was me that initiated that I'm the one that got on there he was standing silent and I'm the one that said to him yeah look it's not talk now do you know what I mean I said to him Instagram can't save you anymore it's real now and then that's when he said the old yeah I'll do the talking now and then I just said yeah all right so yeah well that think that might flare up again nah I don't think so you know I really um I said on on an interview previously a happy fight is a as a dangerous fighter and look it's a year I've been out I've come through injuries I'm happy to get back in there um, and I actually like him so um, it's going to be like a big brother little brother thing I think when I beat him up I'm, I'm, I'm going to be uh, laughing with him after and, <laughs> and, and, and that's just how I, that's just how I see the fight yeah, it does actually seem to be kind of, as you say, that, that a respect between you. And there's obviously a rivalry. You've got, well, you've both got something the other one wants and a win over the other one will probably lead to a UFC opportunity. But there also seems to be a lot of, of respect there as well. And almost like, as you say, a, a, a sort of brotherly thing of, of that competitive rivalry with, with the respect thrown in as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, big brother, little brother. And I know there's that saying, the big brother's got to get whipped one day, but this ain't that day. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go in there and show him. Show him who's the big brother. That's how it's going to be. Yeah, and um, don't don't leave it in the hands of the judges is a phrase that I've never really enjoyed. I don't I don't think any fighter goes in there thinking, oh, do you know what I want now? I want a decision or that. But... Is there anything that you've had to try to to look at in your camps or add to this camp or whatever? Because your last three fights have been split decisions and they've yeah. all gone in your favour. But I would have thought there's there's a there's such a fine margin, especially some of the judging that we see every now and again. We think, Jesus, how have they got the result over that person or something like that? Yeah. So does that are there any nerves when it comes to the fact that you're like, shit, this is going to a decision again? And is there, I mean, is there anything that you've implemented in your camps just to go, if, if I improve this or do this, I think I'll be able to get more finishes? Yeah, yeah, we we have actually, we had a big discussion about this, about how how um, it needed to change. And I, I was almost fighting as if I was fighting my sparring partners. That's how I've, would um sort of recall how it was so i would be landing the clean shots and then i'd be taking the pressure off you know moving around letting them almost come back into fights and um we we've changed that with the sparring so rather than sparring a b and c every single day we've been bringing in different guys you know and and telling them before the spar look it's going to be a bit of a hard spar i'm not i'm not bringing guys in luring them into a false sense of security and then trying to knock them out I'm bringing them in and saying, look, I've got a big fight and I'm sparring hard. And I've just been bringing in loads of different body types, um, loads of different guys, big, small, and um, just and, and, and going out and, 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 and sparring with different guys and trying to come away from, from sparring with the regular sparring partners. If anything, I sparred less for this fight. 
but what the sparring I have done has been with intention and uh, I hope that crosses over into the fight you know when I land the big shots they're not my, this is not my sparring partner this is someone that I need to to come forward and hit them with 10 more big shots so that's just how it's been now I've just been bringing guys in and and uh, yeah just not being very nice with them shall I say but I can see the smile on your face. It seems like you've enjoyed camp and you're really looking forward to this fight. Yeah, well, like to me, it's almost been a year camp, you know, with the breaking thumb and the Charrier one and and just so much learning and so much Im- improving. Um, I just, I'll, I, I really do think that it's, that it's going to be chalk and cheese this next fight from the last one. I really do. I think, I think the people that are, the people that have been told by their friends about this crazy fight that's going to happen, I think they're almost going to be after the fight saying, I thought you said it was going to be a war-like sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? That's how I think it's going to go. I really do feel that I'm just at this completely different level to not just Paul used to everyone else. Um, and I just can't wait to show it. And vice versa, I've trained for a five-round fight of complete just craziness. But I really do think that it's going to be within the early rounds, a stoppage. Right. And, you know, you've, you've said in previous interviews, you, you're good at game planning in the moment, thinking yes. on your feet. Less than well at it. So what, how much planning goes into your camp then? Or as you say, are you, are you just going, I just need to be the best Jordan Buchanek I can be and then I'll win the fight? Or, or is there stuff that's tailor-made to your opponents at times? Yeah. There's always stuff tailor-made. It's a bit of everything. I've got to be the best version of me I can be. But again, that best version of me is tailor-made to this certain fighter. Um, Things will have been rehearsed over and over and over again. Um, And um, certain shots will will be there. Certain takedown defense, certain takedowns will will, will be there. And, And yeah, it's just, I don't know, just... I've got to be the best version of myself adapted to beat this certain type of fighter sort of thing. So I'm just excited to go. I mean, I really do think the version of me now that's going to come into it is is going to blow people away. I mean, there's a lot of talk of people sleeping on me. They're about to get woke up. Love it. Love to hear that. I'm loving the one-liners. The, um, the other thing is what's at stake in this fight and not just is it unifying the belts you are the featherweight champion at cage warriors paul hughes is the interim featherweight champion at cage warriors but this isn't just about unifying that belt because we all know once you're a cage warriors champion the ufc are sniffing around they're looking at those champions to to take them in so there could be a ufc contract at stake here as well would it how do you see that happening in terms of like there are people that go, no, if, if, if the UFC want me, they're going to come and pay for me and I'm going straight into the UFC. And other people will get opportunities like either the Contender Series or a short notice replacement. You might go out there and do a brilliant job against Paul Hughes, win that fight, and the UFC say, hey, someone's dropped out of a decent fight in four weeks' time. Is Jordan available to sign the contract and come in on four weeks' notice? Are you open to short notice contracts with the UFC? Yeah, 100%, because to me, it's not going to be short notice because I'm always in the gym and I'm always training. 
So like I said to you, it's not going to be me fat sitting on the couch, like, oh, putting down my bag of Doritos, shit, the UFC is calling me. It's going to be me in the gym getting the call ready to go. So yeah, I'll be ready. When I, um, any opportunity that's good for me after I beat Paul Hughes, anything that's going to progress my career, I'm ready for it. Whether that be, you know, um, beat Paul Hughes and then a couple of weeks later, there's another fight card on Cage Warriors and there's the lightweight title when someone pulls out and they say, look, can you jump back in? Anything like that. Anything that's going to add to my value, uh, I'm, I'm ready to jump on and I'm ready to take it. So, obviously, the fight goes down on March 18th against yeah. Paul Hughes to unify yeah. the belts, possibly even a UFC contract on the line there. You've already said you think it could be a finish early. Is that? Can I get a solid prediction out of you? Is that how you think it's going to go? Yeah, I really do think within the first two rounds, I think I'm going to get um, a finish. And I think it's going to be such a clean, violent finish that people are going to be like, shit. Like, I think it is going to have people worldwide tuning in. Such a big fight, such a momentous occasion. And then I'm just going to come in there and just literally look like a steam train, you know. And I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes. That's going to happen. I'm going to sign for the UFC and then my baby's going to be born. And it's just going to be a crazy a crazy uh, thing to remember for the rest of my life. What, 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 what a time for me. Brilliant, mate. Well, look, I wish you all the best with not only the fight on the 18th, but obviously even more importantly, birth of your child a few weeks after that incredible stuff. Best of luck to you. And hopefully we'll have you on the show again some point soon. No, thank you. It's been wicked. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. There you have it. Jordan Vucenic on the show talking about his fight that is happening March 18th. So very, very soon, Friday, March 18th. I think it's the O2 Indigo unifying the featherweight belts. He's taking on Paul Hughes. And that should be an absolute cracker of a fight. Um, He also stayed on the chat and gave me a little prediction about what he thinks. I'm not allowed to say, but... uh, It'll be quite exciting if that all happens. Um, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the show. Uh, I thought Jordan was a fantastic guest. Uh, I think it's brilliant what he's doing, not just in the cage, but outside of the cage as well. I think becoming a, a father is uh, is an amazing thing. It can sometimes be a scary thing, and he's someone that stepped up and done it at an incredibly young age for uh, a child that isn't biologically his own. He's, he's stepped up and uh, and become a father figure for 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 a child and i think that's an amazing thing so well done to jordan best of luck to him on the 18th against paul hughes and yeah that's that's it guys thanks so much uh please subscribe and like all the social media posts you can tell that Stu's not here because i don't know what i'm doing at this bit you know we've had some cracking guests on the show michael bisping was one of the ones we've recently released we've had arnold allen Dan Hooker as well in the build-up to UFC London that is coming up this Saturday. So, uh, yeah, get that in your ears. Have a little listen. And I hope you enjoyed uh, enjoyed this episode. My first ever solo interview. So um, let me know if you thought it was any good. Hopefully we can drop that dead weight stew whiffing. Jesus Christ, let's get rid of him. Oh. Anyway. Bye, guys.